Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, October 6th, 2019 called Heart Issues, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Go ahead and have a seat, if you would. And uh, there's a printed outline if you want to jot a note or two, if you're doing this through the Red Letter Challenge. And just again, thanks so many of you who are participating in this and going to groups and reading. And uh, I, every once in a while, I find myself a couple days behind, and then I've got to catch up. I've got to read, got to read a couple of some of the challenges are kind of, are kind of challenging, um, and they're, they're ratcheting it up a little bit. And so I'm, I'm really appreciating it. And lots of you are making comments, sending me emails, noting things. We had to order more books again. So um, people continue to share these, and some people are doing them at different parts of the country. And uh, a couple of churches in town actually are, have, uh, are exploring it also. So it's kind of neat. Red Letter Challenge. So, you know, it's, um, it's interesting... Um, one of my very, very favorite um, Christmas ones, something that became kind of a ritual at our house, wouldn't you say, David, was you were about well, just a couple years old when the How the Grinch Stole Christmas came out, and that was one of my son's favorites, so we watch it every Christmas. And you know, there's the great line, and you probably all know it, and it's, it's, just kinda, it's fun, it's just a cartoon and a little cheesy, it's Dr. Seuss, but it's kind of sweet. And of course, it ends up with the problem... The problem is that the Grinch has this tiny little, his heart was undersized, right? He didn't have a normal sized heart. And so he had this little tiny little shriveled up little thing. And so, but when all of a sudden the transformation happens, remember the great line in it? His heart grew three sizes that day and it like bursts and then he gains the strength of 10 Grinches plus two. And, uh, and then of course uh, Christmas is restored, right? Christmas is restored because the Grinch has had a transformation. And it's interesting to me because what the Grinch had was a heart problem, didn't he? He had a heart problem. And if I was to ask you and say, hey, if any of you ever gone through a heart issue, because we deal with this, a number of you have, and I have a pastor friend of mine who's struggling with that right now, and his life has had to be absolutely transformed, just transformed. Um, and he sends out posts and notices and emails and encouragements to others. Hey, you guys, you should watch your weight. You know, you should, don't smoke. You know, what are, the, what are the clues to heart health, right? Omega-3s and check for pre-diabetes and exercise, right? We know the list. We know the list of all those things. One of them actually is even on mental health, um, you know, really keeping your mind active. And there's studies now that show that depression, anxiety, and mental health, it, when it's attended to well, actually helps offset certain heart issues. Randy, if I misspeak, you'll correct me later, won't you? Thanks. I'm always hesitant when I do this, and I got the docs sitting around here for me. But I, I do want to share a really cool thing, you know, something that we've discovered. So anyway, we know some things that address uh, heart issues, how to make your heart strong, make that key muscle in your body 
uh, to be just as effective as it possibly can. Jim, if you don't know this, Pastor Von Bush, and he's over at Faith Lutheran with their new minister there. We continue to do some partnering and supervision over there, just so you know, because he's brand new and we're kind of helping make that happen. So that's why we're gone every once in a while to do that. Um, but Jim's PhD paper is really interesting. I think he's mentioned it, but if you don't know this, he's about to receive his PhD. And the link between what happens in worship in this place, because we are a, what's kind of called a sacramental church, We're kind of, it's kind of a way of describing us, in that we believe that in the preaching of the Word and in the Lord's Supper and in baptism, God is actually doing work in those things. They're not symbolic or ceremonial observances, but that God is actually doing things there. In the Word of God, the Spirit of God is living and active, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword. God's Word accomplishes that for which He sent it. In the waters of baptism, it's a washing of rebirth and renewal. In Holy Communion, Christ gives His body and His blood for the forgiveness of sins. You see what I'm saying? So Jim did a study of this. Is Does that actually have any real impact on people? You know, in their health, in their mental health, physical health, that kind of thing. I will quote this wrong. Now, Teresa, you could correct me later, or Jim will if he listens to this. <laughs> but I think I'm getting this right. It's a fascinating study in which he has, he has uh, discerned uh, tangible correlations between the action of worship in this manner and people's mental and physical health. Isn't that something? So we know ways to address heart issues, and some of them are not all just that you have to eat rabbit food and exercise, but there's actually mental, spiritual ways to actually impact your physical uh, being. I, I just think that's really, really, what a God we have, that it's not limited simply to a formula. Anyway, okay. So I find that interesting because, to be honest, the reason this is a topic is because it's a heart issue. In other words, if a doc came to you and he said, hey, we found a real heart problem, would you pay attention? Right? It's one thing if they say, hey, you know, you've got quite an ingrown toenail. I mean, it's nice to get that fixed. A little different, right? A little different. But if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, your ticker's malfunctioning. If, if your heart's not working right, don't you kind of pay a little more attention? Did you know that in the New Testament, Jesus Christ speaks of finances and financial matters? He dedicates 2,950 verses. You know how many verses there are on prayer? Less than 500. You know how many there are on faith? From Jesus. Less than 400. 2,950. And I remember when I first heard it, I said, Oh, that's some cheesy televangelist making that up because he wants to hit you up for dough. Right? So I'm researching it. He's right. Jesus talks about this like all the time. Why? He's the doc coming and saying, I think you got a heart issue. That's what this is. Why? What's the passage from the Sermon on the Mount? Where your treasure is, there's your heart. It's a heart issue. Jesus gets this. And so Jesus speaks to it. In fact, the very next thing he says is, hey, and quit the worrying, will you? You guys worry all the time. You know, so we'll talk about it here a little bit. There's four things there I want to share with you. Now, i got to caveat this a little bit. Some of you may be new here to Grace. Some of you may not know me at all. Um, some of you may be new in the journey of this. I, I raised money for a long, long time. So I'm very shameless about talking about 
about finances. I've been in churches where it's like, it's this big secret, you know. You know, nobody can know what we're doing. And I'll tell you what, I, I find that in those churches, things like embezzlements happen. And uh, problems like that happen. People, it gets, so I'm big on turning on the lights. Let's talk about it. So what I really want to do is have a conversation with you about this. Uh, because, and I love actually to talk to a congregation that is already generous. Last night we did the Oktoberfest, raised like $7,000. Just in one night with brats and beer. I mean, and baskets, and a quilt, fabulous quilt. I mean, it was phenomenal. You guys, it's generous, and we give that all away. We just give it away. People in need, thank you. So thank you. Um, but you know what's interesting? And I appreciate Pastor Zender talking about this um, because he goes beyond generosity. And I'm going to mention that here. He goes beyond generosity. So the, the, the reason this is, matters so much is because Jesus comes to the heart of the matter because it's... Uh, it's a matter of, of, of the heart. Tonight, I'm, um, so Ryan and I, Ryan Stralo and I teach confirmation together. So with uh, young people and their parents. We have parents come with their, and this is the session. Some of you did confirmation with, we will remember this, where we showed the movie on the passion. We showed a portion of it, not much. And I warned parents. I warn parents, I say, you don't, have to, you're, you don't have to do this. That movie is rated R for a reason. It ain't sex and it ain't F-bombs. It's violence. There is a violence being committed against Jesus Christ. And it is horrifying. And it should be. It's supposed to be. It's not made up. So I tell parents, and every once in a while, kids will opt out. I get it. Heck, we had a kid faint once. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm telling you is this. That movie, and I don't like I recommend, it's not like I recommend it. It's so violent. But it is the most accurate visual depiction that we have of what happened on what happened. It's the most accurate visual one. It's startling. It's horrifying. Now, here's why I share that with you. And it doesn't even go far enough. Can you believe that? It was worse than that. It was worse. I'll just give you one example, because there were several. But one example, Roman, uh, the Romans crucified their victims completely naked. They stripped them completely. And that's obviously not portrayed in there, thankfully. To humiliate them. To embarrass them. And for a Jewish man, they were so modest. So modest, right? You've seen all the pictures, right? They're covered. The only thing you see is their hands and their face, right? It doesn't go far enough. And so you know what I think is interesting on this giving thing? Jesus, it matters so much to Jesus because you know what, what's cool? Like, you know, you take the stories like the Grinch or like Ebenezer Scrooge, Christmas Carol, right? Great transformation. And they move from being stingy to generous, Right? Although the Grinch is weird, isn't it? I was watching the clip of it this morning. I had to laugh. What does he do? He comes back and he gives everything back. Like that's good? Like it's like this great transformation. And all he does is give him back all the stuff he stole. I'm going, you still go to jail for that. But anyway. <laughs> but it's like, whoa. And Ebenezer Scrooge becomes the guy who keeps Christmas better than anybody, right? Remember how it ends? And he takes care of Tiny Tim and gets what he needs. But he was rich as a king, right? Anyway, 
So they move from stingy to generous. And I tell you this thing about the passion because it doesn't go quite far enough. And I appreciate Pastor Zender when you read these upcoming days. There's some challenges there. And you may choose to not do it or do it or whatever. That's all good. That's all up to you. We all react to Jesus' words in the way that we react to him. I, for one, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. But what he says is, there's moving from stingy, and I appreciate his statement. It's not possible to be a stingy Christian. I think that's right. I don't know if you agree with me. I think that's right. Stingy with forgiveness. Stingy with serving. It doesn't go, does it? I don't think it goes. So moving from stingy to generous, but there's another step, isn't there? Generous to sacrificial. You know, I stopped because I put this challenge to myself. I'll tell you, I was a little humbled uh, by this. I, uh, I went through, Teresa and I'm sitting there talking with her and saying, I want to know, was there a time, when's the last time that for someone or something other than family, I gave up something. You know what I mean? Like a trip, kept a car three years longer. I had a hard time. I'm apologizing. I'm kind of repenting of that. I'm sorry, I'm talking too softly now because I'm embarrassed. Can you still hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. So that was hard on me because I could not remember. I've sacrificed greatly. I remember driving through snowstorms and spending my last money in my, in my checking account to get a ticket to go see my daughter in a play or help, help out you know, my son with a car thing or buy him a, you know, get him a car. Or something. I remember sacrificing for that. I don't know. Sacrificing for your family, that doesn't count quite, does it? I don't think it counts quite. Maybe it does. You can debate with me. But I couldn't come up with something. I was embarrassed by that. I mean, we've, we've given, I think, gener generously, but to sacrifice. I was struggling with that because there's stingy and there's generous and then there's sacrifice. And that's the nature of Jesus, isn't it? God doesn't just give out of his wealth. You know what's my very favorite stewardship verse, financial verse in the Bible? Romans 8.32. I'll see if I quote it exactly right. God, who did not spare even his own son, will not God, who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with his son, graciously give us all things? That's my favorite one. So these are the four things I want to share with you. The first one is this. Generosity is a hard issue. It's about love. Can I make this statement? Would you agree with this? If we love something or someone, we will make it happen. Agreed? If we love somebody, we will make it happen. We will sell a vehicle. We will borrow money. I, will, I even would have asked my parents for money when I was a grown-up. If I love someone or something, I will make that happen, whether it's time or it's money or it's energy and that's what Jesus is saying here if it's your heart if it's your heart we make it happen 
If it's your heart, generosity is a heart issue. The things we love, we make them happen. And Jesus says it, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, before I get too far, let me please make this statement, and I really need all of you to hear me carefully on this, because I hope you know me well enough. Nothing I'm going to say here, I, I need you not to imagine that, I, that if I tell this to you, you're somehow, I got to do this to be right with God. I got to do this to get God to love me. I hope you don't, I hope you know me well enough. All of this is because he has loved me so completely, so overwhelmingly, because Christ has given us all things and God has given his own son, will he not also graciously give us all things? Are you with me? Can I get some nodding heads? Yes, this is not, I don't want this to come out as if I'm pounding you. What I'm saying is, if God is saying, hey, you might have a heart issue, here are the things that address it. So the first one is, it's love. Generosity is about love. It's a heart issue. What do you love? And so you need to know what God loves is you. That's where it starts. What God loves is you and is vested in you. Here's the second one. Generosity is a trust issue. I used to quote this all the time. I would say, I would say uh, Luther, Luther quote. Luther says, pray as if everything depended on God and work as if everything depended on you. That's not a bad quote. I kind of like it. But in this context, I don't like it. I think he's in error if you apply it to this. Have you heard this statement? We'll do these things and then trust God for the rest. Have you heard that phrase? Trust God for the rest. What that means is you didn't trust God. Because what, the, what Jesus is calling us to is to trust him from start to finish. From beginning to end. If I just trust God with the rest, I'm not trusting God at all. And so here's the difference on this. The second one is about faith. Generosity is a trust issue. You know why Jesus wants this he talks about this so much. He says, please trust me. Don't you trust me? I get this often I, when I do funerals. I find that more and more I am having to say to people, because too often do people come and I'm doing a funeral for their grandfather or their, their mom or something like that, a family member, and they're talking to me. And I get this hint like, well, they're just doing this thing because it's supposed to be done. And I kind of have to stop the family and I go, I believe this. Your mother believed this. Your mother has every confidence that she is with the Lord. Do you believe this? I'm having that conversation much more often than I used to. I believe it. If I didn't believe it and I'm standing up here, what a rip that is. I believe it. I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe he sacrificed everything that we would know his love. I believe that the almighty God had your name on his heart and lips. I believe it. And so that's the deal. And that's why Jesus talks about this. Because it's a trust issue. Because if we can't trust God to handle what? The few bucks we have? How in the world can we trust him with those things that really matter? And those things that impact us forever. And so it's a heart issue. It's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. Um, and so the idea is to live it. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's the only place God says it to his people. In Malachi chapter 3, you may be familiar with it. He says, he's bold. He says, test me. See if I won't. 
And he doesn't guarantee that everybody's driving a Rolls Royce, much to the chagrin of televangelists everywhere. He doesn't promise all those, but he says, I will open the floodgates of heaven. I will open the floodgates of heaven. Test me and see if I'm not a generous God. When has God not been generous? As you take another breath and your heart beats again and we drive to our, and we go to our car and we go to our homes. When has not God not been generous to us as he dies on the cross in our place? The third one is generosity is a wealth issue. Did you know this? If you make over $32,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of earners in the world. $32,400 puts you in the top 1%. Woohoo, I've been in the top 1% a long time. That's pretty cool, because here's the thing I often get. Well, um, well, gosh, I can come and, I can come and I'll, I'll serve a meal at the Salvation Army, but I can't write you a check. Or, I'll write you a check, but I can't come help you serve at the Salvation Army. You get what I'm saying? It's not either or. It's not an either or. And so even if we, I, and this is something that my mother particularly taught me, was she said, I don't care how much you make, always give. Always give because you have that because God gave it to you. Even if it's a very small amount, she said, don't ever say, I'll catch up. She said, there's no catching up to God. And so, and, she, and the cool thing is there's no need to catch up to God. God does, hear, let me hear, I want you to hear this statement. God does not need your money. He is rich. He needs your heart. And that's what this is about. God longs for a heart. Generosity is a wealth issue because what it's saying is God will provide. When we plead poverty before God, to be honest, that's actually a condemnation of God. That's an indictment of our Heavenly Father that he would not provide for you. Well, God's not doing well enough. And so it's an indictment actually of God. Generosity is a wealth issue because we are rich, far richer than we imagine. Far richer than we imagine. And the last one is this. Generosity is a joy issue. You know, um, I love this. I'm, I, I'm getting, we're going to go build a house in March. I'm taking high schoolers because that was the plan. Was when they got to their senior year, they could do an international mission kind of trip. And my very favorite thing to do is building houses in Mexico. Baja Christian Ministries. I, we partner with a ministry. And what, the reason I love it is you can do it cheap. And we, because I make them all ride in the van together. And so you got to do it in the van. You drive in the van and you go down there. And I'll tell you why I love it so much. Because you do. You, this is one, I guess I could say, I guess we have sacrificed. You give up your vacation. Ooh, big sacrifice. I gave up my, you know, you do that. And you go down there and you work for about a half a, day, uh, half a dozen days. And then you hand a key to a family, and it transforms their life. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Who for the joy set before him? And that's just that. It's a, it's a single car garage, for goodness sakes. And I'm a sloppy mess. Because you transform their life. And here's God, right? In baptism, or in his word, or in Holy Communion, handing you the key, and sobbing with joy that you could receive his gifts. Our theme, right? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
endured the cross, scorning its shame, that he might sit down at the right hand of the glory of God, who for the joy set before him. That's God's real goal. God's real goal in sacrifice is joy, that we would experience the joy which he himself has experienced for you, the joy which he has in welcoming you, in receiving you, in calling you his very own. That's the generosity of God. May it be reflected in us. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to rejoice in your gifts to us. You pour them out from the air we breathe to the money in our wallet, the cars we drive, the shelter that we have, our families and provision and food, all of those gifts, Lord. May we count them consistently and always and faithfully as gifts from your gracious hand. And Lord, may people see us as your generous people, not your stingy people, your people that are ready quick with a, with a compliment, quick with help, quick with forgiveness, quick to help fund, quick to help change the lives of others. Lord, thank you for being so generous to us. We praise you. In your name we pray it. Amen. Hey everyone, thank you so much for making it out to Oktoberfest and to, for all those who helped volunteer and donate and cheer on our ministry here at Grace as we sought to raise money for our pastor's discretionary fund. Um, we just really appreciate the community that we have here. Also, uh, stick on your calendar. Um, Thursday, October 31st, it is Halloween. We are having our annual trunk or treat here at Grace from 4 to 6. If you would like a trunk, please contact Christina Parker at Grace Lutheran Church and we can make sure that you have a spot for that.